Chester. Ken loves talking about cars and automotive trends. And here he is, the automotive host with the most, Ken Chester. Thank you for tuning in to another hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester, your host, along with the rest of the Roadworthy Drive crew, executive producer Jack DeLeon at Hello. the controls and social media diva Sasha Little at the other microphone. Hello. Oh, uh, I guess we'd call that the alternative Microphone. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Alternative. Alternative. This hour, we continue sharing with you some of the vehicles that were recently introduced at the auto shows in Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and Detroit. Our focus for this hour will be on the foreign automakers. I assure you we'll get right to that. But first, I want to make sure that if you're a first-time listener, that you know how to become part of the action. You can text or call me on the Roadworthy Drive line at 872-222-9793, and that number is good anytime. If you would rather send me email, my address is Ken at RoadworthyDrive.com. No matter how you want to reach out to me, I want to hear from you. Regular listeners know that right about here, I delve into breaking news. But with all the information that ends up in my in-basket, I was concerned that I wasn't able to share more of the important events and technology that was happening on a daily basis. So I'm replacing it with something that I call from the parts bin. And on that note, we will get started. Jack, the key here is Tesla denies Model 3 production issues. Horse hockey. Yeah. Now, they are contesting a CNBC report that there were further delays and quality issues for the Model 3. And they claim that they were on track for their production numbers, even though they pushed them back again. The problem here seems to be not so much in the plant making the car, but in the battery factory, making the batteries. Really? Yeah. I thought it was all car. According to this piece here from uh, Reuters, Tesla's problems with battery production at its Gigafactory in Sparks, Nevada, are worse than it had been acknowledged. And that was a report by CNBC, and this was in the past week, last couple of days. Okay. Uh, citing some company employees. The problems included Tesla needing to make some batteries by hand, and borrowing scores of employees from one of its suppliers to help with manual assembly. I'll let that sink in. Okay, so they've got some real serious issues then. Yeah. Remember Buddy and White? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's not a thing. Yeah. Tesla currently plans to make about 2,500 Model 3s per week by the end of the first quarter. Uh, and that's half the number they had earlier promised. Okay, what number did he have for the end of 2017? 5,000 a week. And he was nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. And they pushed that out, the 5000 to the end of the second quarter. But as the man says, wait, there's, there's more. more. <laughs> um, Tesla decided to bring their Model 3 to some of their showrooms on the East Coast in Manhattan, Boston, and Miami. Okay, hold it. I thought this was not going to be in a showroom. Well, they have showrooms. They just don't have them in everywhere. In some states, they do. Okay. Okay. Now, parting thought, how many people do you think still have made reservations for this car? I have no idea. Uh, hold on to your hat. The number they're showing here in this piece, 500,000, which has gone up about 150,000. 
Okay. Uh, in most automobile assembly plants, that's about a year and a half of production. Yep. Flat and out. Sasha, you were going to say something? I was, actually, because I, you know, a couple things come to mind. Great things come to those who will wait. and Not when I'm putting down $35,000 a copy. I know. No, no, I know. no. This ain't patience. This is, where's my car? <laughs> I know. Let me just make that plain. Where's my car? It takes a while to give you perfection. Can you just wait a second? You know what? Automakers have been doing it for almost 100 years, managed to get it done. Mm -hmm. And and I was about to say, how long have some of these people been waiting already? At least a year. At least a year. Yeah. And I think think Ken's got a great point here. Yeah. If you've waited a year for this car and you still don't have it because they can't get something right. Uh, A bunch of some things. Okay. Well, I was being being kind. Yeah. Okay. This is going to make me go give me back my money. Well, the $1,000 deposit anyway. Well, and how much of that are we actually seeing? Are we seeing people that paid in full or even just oh, the no. deposit? Most of the people paid a deposit. Right. Ain't no way you're going to pay in full and wait two and a half years. But what I'm saying is, is that are we hearing from those people? Are we hearing angry customers that are saying, where's my car? Mm, well, because I mean, I, every news agency is coming out and just dogging the holy heck out of it. But are we hearing from the people that this is directly affecting? Let me put it to you another way. We'll wait and see when they finally get up to production how many people bail out because those $1,000 were not – it was not a non-refundable situation. So right. you could bail when you got darn good and ready. Right. But what the company was trying to do too was push these people into Model S's. Really? Were they offering them a nice like – No. Co- okay. Just what I'm saying. All right. How about a book? From Self-Driving to Personal Robot, Five Ways the Car of the Future Will Change Your Life. Uh, That's from My Cognitive Automobile Life, Digital Divorce from a Cognitive Personal Assistant. Huh? Uh, Yeah, this is a book uh, where the uh, two, two writers take readers into the intersection of artificial intelligence, cognitive machines, and cars. They present an insider's view of our automotive future in which everything we think and feel about cars will change. I need that book. Today's cars may seem advanced with lane keeping and parking assist, talking and hearing GPS system and more. But guess what? They're merely first level iterations. The car, and this is what they're proposing, the car as we know it will be obsolete in a decade. And the only factors holding back the transformation are how quickly infrastructure And we talked about this regulation and in related industries can catch up and why they also discuss why autonomous cars will change our life as radically and as quickly as smartphones. The name of the book, My Cognitive Automobile Life, Digital Divorce from a Cognitive Personal Assistant, uh, Sebastian uh, Wednerwiski, it's W-E-D-E-N-I-W-S-K-I. And Stephen Perun, uh, P-E-R-U-N, uh, are the writers. Okay. Th- it, what he's just done in the last two minutes has made my brain hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want this book. You want that book? Yeah, I'm getting it right now. Are you? Okay. Um, this one's going to be, this next subject's going to be a little touchy. Okay. Um, and it should be touchy, may be touchy for our listeners and maybe even some of our affiliates. Go for it. Uh, we, wait, wait, wait. Do we need to do the disclaimer, Jack? No. Oh, the following opinion is Ken Chester's and Ken Chester's only. Go on. Actually, it's not an opinion. 
It's a series of articles starting in 2013 through 2016. The first article says, and I quote, AM radio, where do we go from here? The reason why I did this research, I have a vehicle outside, brand new, very nice. You just rode in it, Jack. Yep, we did. Um, It's got a lot of things. It's got a massage seat. It's a hybrid. It's fast. It's nimble. It's brand new, loaded and brimming with safety features. Except it's missing one thing that would make me not buy it. The AM dial. The AM dial has FM and satellite radio. It does not have the AM band. Now, I had um, a friend of mine who is in in the industry mm-hmm. who had sent me an email and had talked about a Tesla model that was not going to have AM radio. And I kind of poo-pooed it. I said, it's Tesla, of course. Uh, but there is a growing, uh, and I tried to Google it to find out how many 2018 cars didn't have it. And I really couldn't find anything. What I did find was the move to HD radio, which was both for FM and AM digital that would help AM radio. So the 2013 article says, AM radio, where do we go from here? Next following year, uh, another article. More automakers are cutting radios and CD players. And then finally, uh, in 2015, three years ago, and I quote, this is from Forbes, consumers still want AM, FM radios in their cars. And then finally, in 2016, Many 2017 car models are equipped with HD radio. Now, going back to the Forbes article for a minute. The average consumer still wants a quality car, one that does not cost too much to get to destinations, and one that has entertainment choices, including the AM, FM radio. And I'm on record of being one of those. I'm on record of being one of them, too. Because when I get – now, I test all kinds of cars, and regular listeners know that I get vehicles to test from the automakers. Yep, you do. The first thing I do is set it to one of our affiliates. I set it. I set the first. I set AM to my favorite affiliate here in town. I set my FM, and then I go to satellite, satellite. radio. Yeah, and the reason because at least in our market, if things get bad in a hurry, there's only one station within a hundred miles that you go to. For the latest one, whatever's going on. Whether it's weather, news, or whatever. And that's the station I want to listen to. I would not buy this otherwise perfect $71,000 car uh, because of that. Oh, well. So much for that. This is Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive is a cornerstone of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. line design of the 61 Oldsmobile. So they decided to take a test drive. It's the sure way to learn about the full-size comfort and full-size power of Olds for 61. You have to experience that big new skyrocket engine and hydromatic drive with accelerator action. You have to see for yourself the way the skyrocket makes molehills out of mountains, responding eagerly to every command. The way Olds engineered a silent, steady, stable ride through the liberal use of rubber throughout the chassis. And a new idea in suspension, twin triangle stability, that brings out the full benefit of deep coil springs. 
action speaks louder than words, as this couple discovered. Tomorrow, why don't you see your Oldsmobile quality dealer? Test the best. Try out a new Dynamic 88, Super 88, or 98. Take the wheel. Drive the 1961 Oldsmobile. If you're just joining us, this is segment two of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. Now, this hour, we're talking about vehicles introduced by foreign nameplates at the recent large car shows. While Detroit seems to be fixated on the full-size pickup truck and SUV, the foreign automakers have cast their lot on a variety of vehicle types and drivetrains. And I could sum it up best like this. Mm -hmm. Asian cars aren't dead yet. Now, I noticed that you're putting in the yet. Mm -hmm. That that was going to be my question. Right. Well... They're even feeling the pull more towards the SUVs. I mean, the full-size American pickup truck is yep. an American thing. You're not going to find these in anywhere Europe, else. Anywhere right. else. Right. However, you are seeing, even overseas, this growing of the small, what they're calling now, compact SUV, which is even smaller than our small SUVs, right. oh. which what we used to call crossovers. We'll talk about a few of those in a minute. But I lead off with a wonder from Hyundai. Uh, they're actually launching a performance sub-brand. Really? Yeah, called the N lineup. Oh. Their first vehicle in that lineup is their Veloster, their three-door hatchback. And what they're doing, um, they're taking a different approach. They're not so much horsepower, but, you know, horsepower per mile, but what they're calling heartbeats per minute. Basically, more fun, which is not literally brute strength. So basically, uh, tuning the suspension, giving it a better, more dynamic look. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. How did they say it? Hyundai chose to emphasize the end driver's heartbeats per minute rather than revolutions per minute. With the front-to-drive character as a top priority. That's where they're going. The Veloster N takes Hyundai to a new level of purchase consideration for two driving enthusiasts in the U.S. And what they're doing... You do get a larger engine. You do get a uh, more uh, tight suspension. So it's not, again, not all looks. There's some performance behind it. I sum it up this way. You might not play with your food, but you'll play with this car. Okay. It's a fun car to throw around. And that's kind of the takeaway for that. So now, next car, Mazda 6. Again, another car. I call the Mazda 6... Uh, a very capable car that, at least in the marketplace, has been largely invisible. It's not a bad car. There's nothing against it not to recommend it. It's just that it seems to get lost in the clutter. Have they redesigned that car recently? They have. Thank you for asking. The re-engineered, redefined Mazda 6. And according to the automaker, Mazda's path to premium. And what they're doing is they're reskinning the car. They're redesigning it. They are going more luxury and more sophistication. Uh, And they're using something they call uh, the Mazda 6 Signature model, which is a whole combination of a redesigned interior, a more active consumer experience, a better-looking, more sophisticated vehicle. Um, In fact, they're using their optional engine in this car, the upscale engine that they're using for this is the Skyactiv G 2.5T, which is a turbo. They call it a dynamic pressure turbo. Uh, bottom line, 
The this four-cylinder engine produces torque on par with a four-liter V8. It's a nice-looking car. Mm -hmm. I kind of like. And it. And that's double the output. If you're running roughly a 2.5-liter four, and you're going to a four-liter, it's almost twice over. Yeah. So they're upping the performance. They're upping the look. They're putting their money where their mouth is, and we'll see how they do. But again, another car. Mm-hmm. But as the boy says, We're not done. done yet. May I introduce the Nissan Kicks? It replaced the ugly juke in the lineup. I like the juke. And this thing is smaller than the Nissan Rogue Sport they introduced last year that I just put my wife in one. Okay. And I thought that was small, but works for her. This is smaller than that. I like wow. it. And wait a minute. Imported from Brazil. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be available in three trim levels. And it's going to be powered by a 1.6-liter four-cylinder engine with a uh, continuously variable automatic. Here's the kicker. You can't get it in four-wheel drive. What? No four-wheel drive. Sorry. Not happening there. Well, and I don't see that car selling well here then. It will. You think so? Absolutely. With traction control, stability control, and all the other power, a good set of tires you don't always need four-wheel drive. Now, you, re you remember in the last program I said, name me uh, the vehicle that they nicknamed the Japanese Buick? Yep. Yeah. You ready for this? Go for it. The 2019 completely redesigned fourth-generation Toyota Avalon. The Toyota Avalon. That car was already awesome. Why buy a Lexus when you can drive this thing? I mean, it's, it's, it's comfortable, it's reliable, it's roomy, and then they just upped it. They just completely redid this car for 2019. Okay. Made it more sophisticated, more aggressive. I don't know how you improve on this one. But here's my question. It's a really awesome car. You know, you asked, you asked the question. Why would you buy a Lexus versus buying a Toyota? Mm -hmm. Well, let's well, this particular Toyota. Well, let's face one thing. Mm -hmm. When it comes to Lexus, what Lexus has done is that Lexus has honestly put the customer first. They have great product, mm -hmm. but they have put the customer experience first and foremost. You do realize that Lexus is the upscale division of Toyota. Thank you. I understand Thank you. that. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. All I'm saying is this. But I don't, never having bought a Toyota. I have, actually. Okay. Uh, Do you have the same experience that the Lexus people are having with the Toyota? Well, you're talking luxury versus not luxury, which is fair, but you can make that argument for any luxury manufacturer. Well, that's true. All I'm saying is, not, I'm not dissing Lexus. All I'm saying is the, the Avalon is that good. If you are looking for what we used to consider the traditional, reliable, large, Comfortable, powerful, reliable. I said reliable twice. <laughs> Car? It's reliable. This is it. Oh, I'm sorry. It's American made. Isn't that made in Alabama? Kentucky. Okay. Mm. And has been for years. A nice, solid car. You know, so I'm just saying. When we come back, folks, we're going to continue the momentum with a look at what the European automakers brought with them to the colony. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Want more than your share of the road? Be sure to check out Roadworthy Drive on Facebook. 
This is the third segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. Thanks for taking us along with you. I'm Ken Chester. For those of you who have yet to check out our new and improved website, what are you waiting for? The Roadworthy Drive crew is proud of our completely redesigned website, easier to navigate and find your favorite things. Videos of our weekly behind-the-scenes antics, audio clips of past shows, <laughs> and more. It's also a great place to discover our goings-on in the universe of social media. Sasha is our resident social media diva, and she keeps things interesting and lively during the week and between shows with her compelling posts about automotive technology. Drop by and see how she keeps the social in our social media. After all, we did it just for you. Right, Sasha? We do. Every single week. There you go. Uh, before we turn our attention to the European automakers, I do have one more Asian automaker, and they're brand new, all new, we're trying this again kind of thing. Okay. Um, much the same way that Volkswagen introduced the big Atlas, much the same way that BMW is in the process of introducing a gigantuan um, X7, which is a huge SUV they're building in South Carolina. Yeah, it's massive. Yes, it is. Okay. Subaru is back in the market with its three-row Accent SUV. Now, we shot pictures of it in New York as a concept last year. Yep. They're building this in their plant in Indiana. And remember, Subaru had tried it before with the Tribeca. This is bigger than the Tribeca. Are we talking about either Explorer or Expedition size? Mm, I would say probably a little bit bigger than Explorer, not quite as big as an Expedition. Tahoe? No, not quite that big. Okay. I mean, bigger than your midsize, but still probably smaller than Tahoe Expedition, not quite that animal. Okay. But as they say, it's the largest Subaru ever with choice of seven or eight passenger configurations. We mentioned it's going to be built in their plant in Lafayette, Indiana. Um, their words, the highly anticipated three-row SUV is the biggest Subaru ever built and designed for active families on the go. It's going to be available in four trim levels, premium, I'm sorry, base, premium, limited, and touring. And it should be available next summer. Uh, give you an idea how big it is on the inside. This is passenger volume, which is cargo space and passenger space. 153.5 cubic feet. It's big. It's big. Eight USB ports, 19 standard cup and bottle holders. And a 120-volt power outlet based in the rear of the center console. All right. You had me a cup holder. I know, yeah. right? Did I mention 19? <laughs> yes, just... yes, you mentioned 19, but I, I get in trouble, Sasha, mm -hmm. every time that I go buy a vehicle because the first thing I look at is cup holders. Yep. Uh, the cup have... holders are not strategically placed where I want them. That vehicle is out. I'm moving on. Okay. So we place an order for you for an accent? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, to give you an idea... Two rows, a 60-40 split, flat folding seats, 72.6 cubic feet of cargo space. That's pretty good. That's pretty wide. Low entrance endpoint allows easy entrance for second and third row passengers. Obviously, standard all-wheel drive. And here's the kicker. You would think something that big was not economical. Subaru is saying that you will get on one tank of gas with their new largest ever vehicle built in the United States. 500 miles. 
on a tank of gas. What? That's pretty good. That's really good, as a matter of fact. 500-mile range on a single tank. Does it tell you how much this vehicle will cost? Not yet, but I'm sure that pricing will be announced probably late spring. Okay. On that note, uh, we'll try to get through this. We won't get through all of these uh, before the break, but I'm going to try. Audi is introducing a brand-new fourth-generation A8, which is their flagship. Um, this thing is awesome to start with. It's got a lot of what you call conditional autonomous vehicle technology, uh, basically what they're calling level three. Part that spooks me, Audi AI Park Pilot, and wait for it, the Audi AI Garage Pilot. The car will put itself in the garage. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I go in the house at night, oh, I forget I had a button. Car goes in the garage, for the most part. I... Yeah, freaky. Car comes out of the garage in the morning when I'm trying to let it warm up. And we haven't even talked about okay. traffic jam assist. Yeah, you can set it in a traffic jam where it will start, stop, keep its distance at low speeds. What? Yes. And how far? How far up in low speed will it go before it tells That's you? That's a good question. Go it didn't say, but I'm sure the number was 10 miles an hour. I mean, not very fast. Okay. This is literally stop and go. Here's my personal favorite. A brand new, first ever for the longest time, Mercedes-Benz G-Class. If you are familiar with the boxy G550, they used to call it the Giller Wagon, this thing is about as close to a mechanical mountain goat that you will ever own. He said mechanical mountain Did he oh, say mechanical goat? Uh, I did. Mountain goat, sir. <laughs> No, you didn't. <laughs> anyway, uh, a previous generation of these, they brought me back. I, they gave me to take back from the Chicago Auto Show one year. Okay. 16 inches of snow. I was taking my then copy editor and her husband home. We're going down a road that no one's ever been in 16 inches of snow. Locked those three differentials, and it was like a ride in the summertime. This thing is bulletproof. They're even saying that with the right uh, surface... It can scale a 100% grade. Wow. Yeah. This thing is no joke. It was originally built for the German military. Okay. But it's gained popularity. I've driven one of these. This thing is, oh, my goodness. It's worth the money you're going to pay for it. And they only, they hand build them. They only build so many a day. And they've improved it. This thing's even more aggressive now than it was. And they've been building it since 1979. Basically, if you've got to be off-road and it's ugly, this is what you buy. That is not a bad-looking vehicle. Uh-uh. It's comfortable. It is solid. And if you – let me say it another way. If you get stuck in one of these, ain't nobody coming to get you. You're, <laughs> Pretty much. Nobody can get you. If you get stuck in one of the, with one of these, you beyond stuck. That's where that vehicle is going to sit forever. I know you're going to probably say something, but it kind of looks like one of those Scions. No. 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 Yeah, it does. It's also much bigger. Okay. Speaking of smaller, redesigned minis. No. Redesigned redesigned hardtop, redesigned hardtop four-door, and a new mini convertible. If you can, the design is more, how shall we say it, British. Their words, not mine. Now, why does that not surprise me? Yeah. I'm just going to leave that where it is. Uh, because we're getting short of time, this is one. BMW i8 convertible. Oh, that is nice looking. Yeah, electric. Really? Really. 
Uh, and the backup engine is a turbocharged, and I'm not even lying, three-speed. I mean, three-cylinder. Wow. This thing is fast. And it's the first ever convertible. And, yeah, 140-some-odd thousand, you too can own one. Oh, by the way, Sasha, mm, at yes. least he hasn't talked about smart car yet. Uh, <laughs> you know, I could, but I'm not going to. Uh, when I return, I'll look at foreign concept vehicles and my jack moment. You're riding Shotgun with Ken and Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive. Like us on Facebook. This is the fourth and final segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Ken Chester. Before we delve into the subject of this segment, a programming note. Coming up on the next hour of Roadworthy Drive, Sasha will be interviewing Eric Lunseth of Pedal, a new social media app that is laser-focused on people and the cars they love. Sasha checked it out and was so impressed, she wanted to share what she discovered with our listeners. Isn't that right, Sasha? I Yes, absolutely. I was really, really excited. It's a great app, and I really think that a lot of our listeners will get a lot of enjoyment out of it. So you're going to want to be sure to check out that interview, and that's next week right here. Now, during this hour, I've taken a look at the various vehicles that were introduced at recent car shows held in Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and Detroit. The foreign automakers seem to have spread their offerings across a broader menu of choices than their domestic brethren. For this final segment, I'm looking at a few of the concepts that they introduced as well. <laughs> and I'm having my jack moment right about now. Um, one of the first vehicles, and we actually talked about this company before, but we didn't get a chance to go into the detail. They build themselves as a Tesla competitor. And they're a Chinese company called Byton. That's B-Y-T-O-N. And they brought to Detroit something they call an ele the Byton Electric Intelligent SUV. They, they claim it to be a new generation smart device to redefine mobility experience in the coming area of autonomous driving. They expect to introduce this in China in 2019 and the U.S. and Europe in 2020. They're estimating the price to be about $45,000, and this is what they call it. A unique digital design with an innovative human-vehicle interaction. The premium SUV functions as a new-generation smart device built for the coming era of truly shared smart mobility and autonomous driving. It's an electric vehicle. Okay. Maximum range on their, on their larger pack is 323 miles on a single charge. Here's what scared me. And I'm going to get to it. Um... It gets down to, let, let me find this. Oh, yeah. It is equipped with multiple screens, including a shared experience display replacing the central console in traditional cars. A driver tablet and two display screens on the rear seat entertainment system integrate other content and features as part of the lounge. Now, the front seats can rotate 12 degrees inward, creating a shared space where occupants can interact with each other and the shared experience display even from the rear seats. They 
further take this, their concept is designed to make technology benefit life, providing enjoyable time for people on the move. That bite in life is the core of that experience. It's an open digital cloud platform that connects applications, data, and smart devices. Okay, um, there it is. That's the start of my Jack moment. I'm not even there yet. Really? Yeah. The next thing creeped me out. Four bite and life features on display include my health, my communication, my entertainment, and my activities. Built-in hardware synchronizes with the user's other devices, enabling Byton to track the user's health status, including weight, heart rate, blood pressure, and synchronizes the user's data to give fitness advice. But I'm yet not done. Advanced uh, in artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities analyze the user's calendar, locations, hobbies, and application data provide customized advice on what to do next, making Byton smarter with every interaction. Okay. That I, is when I have my jacket. I have to say something at this point. Yep. The first time a car tells me to lose weight, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go find a gun. No, oh no, no, no. When he said that, I was literally picturing the car being like, Jack, you need to lose weight. And like a panel opening up at your feet and expecting you to like puddle along like the Flintstones car. Or oh, the yeah. Jetsons, yeah. Okay. This next one is just for Sasha. Oh, no. It's Toyota's unveiled a new FTAC crossover SUV concept. They allege yeah. that this concept crossover may serve as the basis for the next generation RAV4. Yeah, and Sasha's really? saying that she loves the look. I love. And in the case look. y'all want to see, we do have these pictures out on Facebook right now. If you want to go out and take a look at what Sasha is drooling over, she's already put her order in for one. Yes, yeah. yes, I have. Uh, Even in that green. Yeah. Um, it's Neon got some really. Green? No, it's like a green, like a grass green. It's not quite as deep as a forest green, but it's not like a bright green. And it's not like a mint green. No. Oh, Let me throw these at you. The infrared cameras and the side mirrors can record trail runs like the fog lights can be removed and mounted off-vehicle so no fun goes unnoticed. An integrated Wi-Fi hotspot automatically uploads footage to cloud-based storage when real-time editing and posting can be done, I'm sorry, accessed via mobile device. The Wi-Fi connectivity even gives adventure goers the ability to live stream the fun to fans and followers. That sounds like the perfect roadworthy drive vehicle. Wait a minute. Lastly, drivers and passengers can use the FTAC's geolocation capabilities for directions back to wherever. Now, they, even though it's a design experiment, it can be imagined as a thoroughly capable gasoline-powered vehicle. It could offer a next-generation hybrid powertrain. Yep. Uh, all these things, and their best part, without compromise. So, yeah, she's all, already put in her order for the next I, RAV4. All I see with that car is... Is again, here we go, data mining again. Mm-hmm. Data mining, yeah. Data mining. Uh, another thing that uh, Sasha was drooling over, the Lexus F, I'm sorry, LF1 yes. Limitless. Yes. Yeah. This thing is awesome, but let me, th- let me read this because this gave me creeps too, Jack. Okay. Technology enhances the luxurious feel of the Lexus L- LF1 by expanding the options offered to the driver. It starts with the LF1's chauffeur mode which allows for hands-free operation 
thanks to the vehicle's bi-wire steering, braking, acceleration lights, and signals. The result is smooth, carefree driving with maximum efficiency and a reduced risk of accidents. That is a nice way of saying autonomous, by the way. And okay, that, you were being politically correct there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw this last one out because this one also continued to freak me out. Uh, the Infinity Q Inspiration concept. Uh, I'm going to just pull this piece out. New ProPilot technologies, and I quote, liberate the driver from mundane and stressful drives. Well, I like my mundane and stressful drives. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. I'm with Jack on this, people. Believe it or not. Um, but basically, yeah. Concept proposes how an innovative powertrain, next-level autonomous drive technologies, and a unique human-centric interior could enrich the experience for drivers of luxury sedans. And this thing does some of the same stuff that other one did that gave me the creeps. So that wraps up our coverage, folks, for what's new and notable. With Chicago coming up in New York in April, you can bet we've got more to share with you. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive crew, thanks for tuning in. You have been listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.